This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. For the cheese heads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Pax What She Said podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always by Perry Goldstein. And we have a very special guest today, kind of continuing the OTA's Sights and Sounds series that we started last week, except we actually have somebody who is at OTA's to give us the in real life sights and sounds from practice. It's Andy Herman. Andy, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I am doing so great. Uh, it has been far too long. Uh, it's been a Pax What She Said hiatus that it can never go this long again. So uh, super excited to be talking to you guys and uh, talking OTAs. We're so happy to have you. You're like, our. I think you might be our most reoccurring guest. We have, we'd have that. to tally it up, but I, I would put my money on Andy being the most. Andrew Mertig is going to try to come for it, I think. It's going to be like a battle of the Andes. But for now, for, for now, the longest it's time, Andrew Murtag was actually the most, uh, like had the most episodes on Pack-A-Day. On my own podcast, Andrew Murtag had more episodes than I did for a while. I've now overtaken him by a lot. But for a long time, it was Andrew Murtag and it was, it was not cool. So I, I get it. Andrew's everywhere. <laughs> uh, everywhere except the Lizzo concert. You will have yeah, to listen to Pack-A-Day true. Uh, to find that out if you're listening to this. Um, but yeah, so Andy, we kind of, you know, dove into just very brief kind of what we saw, what we heard from initial uh, player interviews and things last week. You were there again. They had two practices yesterday and today, and then I believe they have another one on Friday. So what kind of stuff is happening, I guess, for starters, for people that aren't familiar with OTAs? Like, are they doing full run-throughs? Is it mostly drills? Um, so what is the process like for OTAs and how does it differ from like normal training camp maybe? Yeah. So great question. So first of all, the only one that we had, we've had two open to the media now, one last week and then one today. So we haven't been privy to obviously all of the practices, uh, but how the two have worked that we have been, um, you know, able to see, it's been very similar to a training camp practice, just obviously without pads, a little bit less intensity, but not always by a ton. Uh, but basically you're starting off with usually some special teams work, then you're going through stretches and, and just, you know, that portion of practice, then you go to some individual work. And then after that, they usually, um, they'll get together, they'll start doing some team drills. They'll usually do field goal after that. And then usually like, I think one of their team periods was strictly running and play action today. So everything was either a run or a play action fake. And then they, you know, at, at one point did some two minute drills at one point separated starters on one side, the second and third stringers on the other side. So again, obviously all of this is without pads. They're, you know, mixing a lot of different people in, in these periods. So everyone sort of gets a look. So that's sort of the, the, the flavor of it. It's, you know, you're not seeing the the one-on-one -on -one pass rush drills with an offensive lineman and an edge rusher. You're not seeing one-on-one -on -one wide receiver versus corner. Not really seeing any seven-on-seven -seven stuff, but 
Finally, these last two practices, we've seen some real legitimate team stuff, which of course is what really starts to, to whet the appetite a little bit. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, who I guess would be some players that like stood out to you? I know you posted some clips on Twitter and I think Twitter kind of ran with some of them, but before the pads come on, who are some guys that really are impressing, you know, from the looks department? Yeah, I think the the player that we have to start with today is Luke Musgrave. And, you know, I want to pump the brakes as much as I possibly can because we've all been here before. There have been a lot of OTA superstars that were regular season nobodies. And, uh, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting that to be the case with Luke Musgrave. But just because there's OTAs, no pads on, you have to take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. And I think the other thing even that I'll use as a caveat here too is that when some sometimes when something looks good, it's sometimes it didn't go according to plan. Sometimes when things don't look good, it's still like just players are trying to get on the same page. It's not fully functional yet. So it's it's hard to tell. But man, it has been forever in a day, at least probably since Drew Michael Finley, since there has been an athlete anywhere near what Luke Musgrave has at the tight end position. And that's just so fun to think about and dream about, right, as a Packer fan. And it's not to say that he's going to be the next Travis Kelsey or the next Dallas Goddard or anything like that. But the talent is undeniable. And Matt LaFleur said that he's got, you know, uh, I, I forget what the exact word that he used, but, you know, a, a legit, you know, basic superpower in his speed at the position. This is a 6'6", you know, complete gazelle at the position that is gliding down the field has incredible body control and you're starting to see him separate there was a one-on-one that i posted on twitter where he obviously uses great body control catches it contorts his body is able to you know kind of continue running in stride a little bit to and you could just see his quickness you know jump off the the twitter page when you're watching it and then you know, in, in drills, there's a, a play where he's running a deep crosser and he's just running away from Tavarius Moore, who's obviously a very fast safety in his own right. And he's just running away from him in the deep middle of the field. And just those sort of things that you start seeing out of a rookie tight end who has all that talent, that's the stuff that starts getting you excited, right? And again, who knows what it's going to be when the pads come on and pass catching and receiving is just a very small piece of what we know Matt LaFleur wants from the tight ends in this offense. So a long way to go, job not done from Luke Musgrave. But as far as jumping off the page and you know just being able to see all of that raw talent in person, he's been as advertised so far. Yeah, no, a gazelle is not normally a word you would use to describe a, a tight end. So it's very, but the video you posted, I mean, he looked quite agile, which is yeah. just not what you expect from a guy of his size. And um, just not what we're used to at the tight end position in Green Bay, right? Like, yeah. I mean, obviously we know that Mercedes Lewis was a sixth offensive lineman basically these past couple of years, but just the difference in insane bursts between Mercedes Lewis and a Luke Musgrave and even just a Robert Tunyon, right? Like, I love Robert Tunyon. We know my, um, you know, affinity towards him earlier in his career, but just coming back from injury, he just didn't have that run after the catch ability anymore. He wasn't separating over the middle of the field. There was just a limitation to what he could ultimately do. And he made the most of what he had at that position coming off of injury. But then just to go from that to a Luke Musgrave, who just has so much raw talent and potential, it's just really exciting to see out there on the field. I know you said that Tyler Davis had looked good, even though, you know, Jimmy was joking about it on Twitter, but how about Tucker Craft? Because I feel like he was like a darling, you know, when he got drafted, he had the most typical like Midwest party with crock pots in somebody's garage. And I think he became like an instant fan favorite and almost felt like people kind of forgot about Luke Musgrave. So seeing that Luke had such a good day, like has Tucker kind of stood out at all? Or I mean, 
Yeah. What, so what a, few, a few things on Tucker, he did not practice on today's practice. He was out, uh, he was some sort of injury. It didn't seem very major at all. It just seemed like they were probably being extra cautious with it. At least, um, you know, from what I could tell, uh, I do have a couple cool Tucker craft things though. A, he is rocking a sweet mustache. I was trying to get, <laughs> it I could not get it on camera. He is rocking a sweet mustache, but, uh, he looked good in his first practice a week ago well, following the, the rookie mini camps, obviously, but in his first OTA practice, and one of the things I was really impressed by in that specific OTA practice was there was a drill. It was a, I, I think it was a run blocking drill and there it's a, I think it was a tackle tight end combo where they're, they're going out to, to combo block, a, I think an edge rusher he's going out and he gets out there and he's blocking the guy and he comes back and his coach is about to give him some teaching points. And he's like, I was too high. He's like, I was too high on the play. And the coach was like, yeah, yeah, you were too high on the play. But like, just like the self-awareness, like he knew it. He was already trying to master it, already trying to figure it out. Like those are the sort of things that you want to see from your rookies. And I just love the self-awareness. I love that he knew exactly what he did. His coach didn't even have to open his mouth. He's like, yep, I was too high on the play. We ran it back and did it better, I'm sure, the next time. So those are some of the cool things that we're already starting to see from this rookie class. That's awesome. Also, Maggie, someone DM'd me and told me that it was not a garage. It was an airplane hangar that he had his draft party in. That is very so, cool. That makes yeah, sense much, out of the pilot, right? Yes, much, much cooler. And also a little bit of a nod to his dad, which is very sweet. Um, Andy, I want to talk about QB1 because that's, <laughs> I mean, that's the off-season story, right? I, look, it's, you said it, it's, grain of salt they're not in pads they're in shorts etc but I think that there's still a lot to glean from this for Jordan not just even like footwork arm strength etc but just like leadership like he is he's the guy now like does it feel different than before even though he was really running OTAs the past two seasons is there like kind of a new energy about him yeah you can you can tell he's he's just more comfortable but I mean it's like, you know, when you're asked to sort of like almost pretend to be the guy when you know somebody is like ahead of you in the position or something like it's just it's so hard to do that, you know, when there's somebody there that's already doing it. So you can almost tell just with Aaron gone that, he you know, he probably feels way more comfortable in being that guy and being that leader and taking the leadership uh, mantle a little bit more. I think a couple things, you know, let, let's start with. La like last week's OTA. So I, I know like the immediate thing that caught everyone's attention was, oh, he went six of 16 and we're box score scouting all of a sudden, you know, towards an OTA practice. Well, within that, there were at least three, if not four drops on the play. There was one by Aaron Jones. There was one in the middle of the field. There was one on a gorgeous pass on like a wheel route to AJ Dillon, back of the end zone. Love drops it in a bucket and it just goes off of AJ Dillon's hands. So like, yeah, if we're box score, you know, scouting, that would have been, you know, three more completions right there. There's also three more passes that were batted down at the line of scrimmage. Now, to be clear, part of that's on Jordan, right? Like at some point you have to sort of be able to read kind of what's in front of you, but sometimes guys just get their hands up. There's nothing you can do about it as a quarterback at minimum. Those are probably, you know, like neutral plays. It's just going to happen from time to time. So like you, all of a sudden you start looking at the box and you're like, Oh, actually not, not quite so bad when you start putting it in context with the drops and things like that. And he had one throw last week where he threw into coverage and Devondre Campbell should have had a pick. It bounced off of Campbell's hands. Now I, I saw somebody else. I think it was actually Domovsky who in his article said that Musgrave, you know, continued the route up field rather than crossing. I didn't see that. So that's well within the realm of possibility, which is why we do have to take this stuff with a grain of salt, because I'll say from, from covering these practices, right. There is so much going on 
And inherently, I want to see what Lucas Van Ness is doing. And, oh, Colby Wooden's in at defensive tackle. And it's like, oh, what is Quay doing in year two? And then it's just like, oh, you know what? You know, we've got a Keandre Thomas out there at corner. That's kind of interesting. He's actually with the starter. Like, what does that look like? And then you're like, oh, Caleb Jones is at left tackle. And you're like, you're, it's just like a kid in a freaking candy store. And like everything is going on all at once. And you like want to see all of it. And you, you clearly can't. So you, you have to pick little different things that you're going to watch from time to time. But some of that stuff is tough to pick up on. So you see a ball thrown over the middle go off of Devondre Campbell's hands. And somebody on the media side might have noticed that of like, oh, actually, Luke Musgrave continued you know, his route up the field, didn't cut it off the way that he was supposed to. And it might have been on Musgrave. And a lot of other people, myself on the play, might have been watching somebody else, just saw the end result. And it's like, oh, yeah, Jordan threw into coverage and it looked like a bad pass. But that's why we have to sort of, again, take that with you know, into consideration, at least. So on today's practice, there's a few different plays. So one, and we'll start with the bad news first. So there's one play in the flat where it's a play action fake and he throws it to A.J. Dillon. It's just wide of A.J. Dillon. Now, could A.J. have maybe taken his route up too far? Maybe he you know, was supposed to. That's what these practices are for, right, is getting on the same page. He missed A.J. Dillon wide on the one play. On another play, he's trying to throw to Jaden Reed on the left side off of play action again. He probably waits a little bit too long, throws to the left side. Corey Ballantyne should have had a pick six on the play. Unfortunately for Ballantyne, it goes off of his hands. Again, was Reed maybe supposed to come back to the ball? Don't know. I have no idea on the play, but it looked at the time like he probably threw a pass that he probably shouldn't have thrown. And then there's a deep ball in uh, off of play action as well, where he's going down the field. I think it was to Romeo Dobbs. Double coverage, ball floats up a little bit, ball probably shouldn't have been thrown. And Darnell Savage makes a great play on the ball in center field, goes up, high points the ball, intercepts it. A rather easy play for Darnell, but great to see him come down with it. The thing we don't know there is on some of those plays, the coaching staff might say, I want you to rip that ball down the field on that team, no matter what. I don't care what the coverage looks like. I don't care what it is. This is a play action pass. The ball is designed to go there. I want to see how the defense is going to react to it. I want to see how Romeo is going to react to it. I want you to rip that ball no matter what. That could be the case. Maybe it's not. Maybe he's supposed to take the check down. But those are just things that we can't tell. So those are a few plays in practice today that, you know, I'm sure, you know, they'll go back and look at the tape and maybe he was at fault. Maybe he wasn't. But there were other plays that gave me in like overall, I felt really good with where Jordan was at in this practice. He was attacking the middle of the field consistently. We saw slant routes coming on, in, you know, in-breaking routes, Romeo Dobbs, Samore Toure hitting people in stride. The deep in-breaking route to Luke Musgrave looked awesome. Uh, there were a couple other passes where he's hitting down the field, again, attacking the middle of the field, that we've seen that that area of the field be vacated for so long that Aaron just didn't want to throw all that often in that space just to see some of those balls in rhythm over the middle of the field. And he, I thought he was really good in his two-minute drill as well. I thought Romeo and, and Jordan – had a, a really great connection today. So I think if you look at his just mechanics, at his feel for the offense, at how he's attacking the huddle, at how he's attacking plays, I think you can really start seeing him come along. But I think what Matt LaFleur said a week ago, where there's some things that are looking really good, there's other things that need a lot of work. I think that's a commentary on Jordan, but I think that's a commentary on Jordan and where this offense is as a whole with a lot of young players. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I think you bring up a really astute point in that, like, this is just practice, right? This is not necessarily meant to simulate real game activity. And so, like, there could be things that this offense is doing is actually just to test the defense, right? Like, defense is also in practice also. And so you love seeing them play, make plays, even if it is against, you know, your young quarterback who you kind of actually have your eye on a little bit more than maybe you would have if Aaron was out there. 
And the other thing I'll say really quickly there too, right, is one of the criticisms that Matt has had of Jordan is like, I want to see him rip the ball. Like he's like, there were times in his early in his career, it was like Jordan was so tentative and he was just taking a bunch of check downs. And, you know, at some point he's like, I just want to see him rip the ball downfield. This is the time to test those things. This is exactly when you should be doing those things to be like, okay, I think I have a small window to Romeo Dobbs. I think I can thread this in there. I'm going to rip one down the field and see if I can't get it there. And you learn like, oh, okay. I can't, that, that's one of those situations. I can't, I can't do that again against this level of competition. All right. In the future, I'm going to note that unless it's like a fourth and 17 and I've got to complete something down there, maybe I need to take the check down instead. So it's not the worst thing in the world to have your young first time starting quarterback really testing himself in some of those situations to see, all right, what can I complete? What can I actually take advantage of? And what am I going to have to just tone down a little bit? I don't, I don't mind that in practices at all. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You mentioned that Romeo Dobbs, you know, they were on the same page quite a bit today. Luke Musgrave, another name that I saw. Is there anybody that you can see kind of developing like a really good rapport with Rogers? I saw Jaden Reed mentioned a couple of times. Rogers. Like, oh God. Slip. Uh, yeah, I have a headache uh, with Jordan Love. Does anybody that has a really good chemistry early in OTAs with Jordan Love? Yeah, I would say Romeo is probably the one so far that has, has stood out to really having that connection. And it, listen, it's still early, and I can you can also tell that you know I'm sure Jordan's making a little bit of a concerted effort to try to spread the ball around and get the ball in a lot of these different players' hands. Not only is he quarterback one for the first time, and I know he's obviously had practices with Aaron being gone in the past, so this isn't entirely new. He's been the QB one in OTAs in the past, but he's getting to work with these guys with the number one offense. Um, did I say Jordan Aaron as well? Uh, I saw I saw Perry laughing. I'm like, oh my goodness, did I say Aaron Rodgers? Oh, um, my cat is meowing. He wants it on the action. <laughs> better. So no. Uh, so obviously, Jordan is having the opportunity to you know lead this offense and reconnect with guys like Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, who spent the majority of last year working with the number ones and Aaron Rodgers. So he's reconnecting with those guys, and in the meantime, he now has a bunch of rookies at wide receiver. And today, Dontavian Wicks and Grant DuBose were both out. So uh, obviously a lot of that was Jaden Reed, uh, but he also has, you know, um, you know, his rookie tight end and, and uh, Musgrave out there that he's trying to connect with. Obviously last week it was Tucker Craft and Dontavian Wicks as well. So he's trying to integrate everyone in this offense, get everyone comfortable and really try to figure out, you know, who he can start building that rapport with. But I would say so far, Romeo has been the one that, you know, you could tell and remember Romeo went out and practiced with him uh, in the off season. So I'm sure that certainly helps as well. Yeah. hundred percent. 
Uh, let's talk about some new faces around OTAs because last week, I know, look, it's vol- all of this is voluntary. I guess we didn't caveat this at the beginning of the show, but like OTAs are completely voluntary. I think it's an awesome sign that like the majority of the roster is there. Yeah. Obviously, a new team, so like the amount of time you get together building chemistry is super imperative for when they're out there together week one. Um, but there were some vets that didn't come last week. Fair enough. But today I saw Elton was back. David Bakhtiari was back. Preston was back. Obviously you have Rashawn out there working, which like doesn't surprise anybody. Um, but also some guys who aren't there yet, who have big roster bonuses like Jair and Rasul. So um, were you surprised by some of the vet faces? Are you happy to see some of them there? Does it not mean any, like, should we not be reading into that at all? Yeah, I think everyone has probably their own, you know, sort of take on that. I, I don't read into it too much. Now, one of the things that I had heard is that guys like Bakhtiari and I think it was Elton had been at some of the practices that just the like we have to remember the media is just seeing one of these practices each week. So a lot of times there are other guys there that are in and out of practices on other days. And it just so happens that on the media day, like so and so are gone. So even with that being said, as far as I like, there's only been three guys of the two practices that have been open to the media. There's only been three guys that haven't been at either of the practices open to the media. And that's Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas, and for some reason, Jonathan Garvin for the second straight year, who hasn't attended any offseason um, non-mandatory stuff. So again, maybe it's an amazing reason for it. And again, hey, it has worked out for him so far because he continues to make the 53-man roster every year. So you do you, my friend. Uh, but those are the only three players that haven't been at one of the two practices open to the media. And I, yes, I do think overall that is a great sign. And if like Jair, like we know that that guy is, he is a master of his craft. He is, I'm sure he is working, staying in phenomenal shape and he's going to get to the mandatory stuff. And it's going to be like, he hasn't even missed a beat. So zero concern there. Like I said, Jonathan Garvin has always been a weird one, but it's seemingly worked for him in the past. So who knows? And again, he may have a phenomenal reason and Razul sort of same thing. He's a veteran at this point. I'm not super concerned about him either. Would you like to see those guys out there, especially because Stokes is battling back from injury. Keyshawn Nixon wasn't there today. So instead of having Jordan Love go against Jair Alexander, Razul Douglas and Keyshawn Nixon, the three would be starters. You're going against Jamar John Charles and Corey Ballantyne. There's a little bit of a difference there. So you'd love to see Jordan get the opportunity to go against some of those players. And I think that's, some of the stuff when you hear players not there, I'm not, a lot of the times I'm not so much concerned about the player there and we can go back to Aaron a season ago. I don't think anyone wants to open that can of worms, but like, it's not necessarily for that individual player, but the more competition that's out there, the better the players are that are there. It's going to raise the level of everyone else. It's going to make that competition that much better. So no, no hardcore takeaway, but I do love the fact that there have only been three players in the two sessions that have been open to the media that haven't been there so far. Yeah, I, I like that you mentioned, you know, Jair and probably not needing a lot of those reps. I, I do want to talk about the secondary because there's a lot of new faces. I know that Darnell Savage, you know, voluntary, it's kind of part of, I think it was part of some of his contract um, to be attending those. But basically the the starter, the vet in that safety unit. So I don't know if they're doing, you, you kind of mentioned that they were doing a little bit of first team what is that starting secondary looking like granted knowing that a lot of the actual starters are out right now? Yeah. So last week it was Keandre Thomas and uh, Corey Ballantyne outside. And then it was Keyshawn in the slot. Those were the, the three starters in the secondary. And then it was Rudy Ford and Darnell Savage. And then Tavarius Moore was rotating in with Rudy Ford a little bit as well uh, on that safety look today. It was Corey Ballantyne and Shamar John Charles 
that were uh, the, the primary corners with once again, Darnell Savage and then Rudy Ford with Tavarius Moore coming in. I uh, personally, I think it was Keandre Thomas who was the next person up and then Shamar moved in the slot when they moved into nickel. So those are some of the names we've seen so far. And you know, remember there's, there's not a lot of depth after that. Right. So obviously they get Carrington Valentine or Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, Carrington Valentine. That's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be a long off season of that. Uh, but uh, obviously they have Carrington Valentine uh, who I'm sure they're going to want to get a bigger look at at some point, just because he obviously has some talent there. I'm sure they're going to want to rotate in Jonathan Owens with the safety a bit. I would assume at some point, you know, we'll see if Anthony Johnson Jr. and his gains can get their name in the conversation. But um, yeah, so far that those have been some of the names in the secondary. I haven't seen much. Like I mentioned uh, Ballantyne should have had the pick six today. Not sure he made a great play on the ball if it just happened to be in the right place at the right time. I uh, haven't seen anything that like super stood out at any of the secondary spots other than the really nice pick from Savage today in the secondary, which he played a great center field, high point of the ball, came down with the pick, which you love to see. Can we talk about some of the guys with injuries? Because like I'm dying to know how Rashawn looks. I saw him kind of jogging around. And like I think like like when two of your starters and like major key contributors have as gruesome injuries as him and Eric Stokes did last season. Like you wonder, and I think you I mean you and I even talked about this on this on our pack a day um, episode this week. Like where they start again this season is like really up in the air, right? Like they're saying Rashawn wants to start week one ACL. Like literally, who knows? I mean, I think as Packers fans, we're all aware that timelines after ACLs can be, you know, not as uh, advertised. But like they're obviously up in green Bay, they're working out in some capacity, whatever works for their like comeback schedule. But like, how did they look to you? How much are they doing in these practices? Um, yeah. You could probably can't, I mean, you're, you've said it, you're not a doctor, you can't glean too much, but I am curious, like what it looks like for guys coming back from injury. Yeah. Here's how much of not a doctor that I am. Um, when David Bakhtiari missed the entirety of the season, like he was coming back from his ACL and he missed the entire year up until the like, what, 15 snaps in the Detroit game or something like he was doing work off to the side. And I think it was an OTA or a mini camp, or maybe it was early training camp, some point in there in off season. I'm like, man, he looks freaking awesome. Like he is like, he's moving around, he's cutting. Like, I'm like, this guy, this guy looks like he's going to be back sooner rather than later. And he missed the entire season and only played 15 <laughs> steps in the Detroit Lions game this year. I'm like, I'm watching the, like one of the first OTA or it was last week's OTA and Eric Stokes is moving around pretty darn well. And he's like moving around and he's cutting. And then we find out like a minute after that, that like he had just started running like a few days beforehand. It's like, Oh, so he has a long ways to go yet. So like, it's so hard to tell with these guys because they're such insane athletes, right? Yeah. Like yeah. doing anything for them looks so incredible that like to try to discern of like, Oh, but there's this little, like, you know, I have no idea. Right. But I will say just seeing Rashawn and uh, Eric Stokes out there with the training group moving around, you know, obviously getting some workouts in, you can see them do both doing more than jogging and like doing some stuff like that. I think that's a phenomenal sign. And the thing I mentioned um, on an episode, I think it was maybe last week is that, I love how Rashawn is being such a huge leader, even just from the sideline. And you can, you can feel his, you know, his, his impact and the presence that he has, even when he's just off to the side. And um, you really love to see that from him. And I think he's going to bring that intensity every single day, whether he's on the sideline doing, you know, work with a trainer, he's still going to bring that energy to the defense. And I think that's a, a huge step that he's taken as a leader of this group. I didn't know 
Uh, maybe I missed it. I know Perry and I had talked about it before, um, not knowing the official announcement as to what Eric Stokes' injury was. And when I listened to Packers Unscripted, uh, Wes had mentioned that it was a Liz Frank injury, which is you know really significant to come back from, especially bundled with a knee injury. So the fact that he is you know up and running and seems to be uh, looking like he might be on pace for you know camp is really impressive stuff. I were yeah. I mean, I hope that it goes as smoothly as humanly possible, and I hope he comes back the same player. But like his speed was literally his like ace. You know what I mean? Like that was like his kind of like trait that made him stand out, and also kind of allowed him to overcome some of his like rookie bumps in the road. And so I hope that he doesn't lose that through this injury because it's always a possibility. Yeah, you beat me to it, right? Because like his four three forty speed is really his yeah. superpower. Like you said, it's his ace in the hole. And there were multiple times, even his rookie year, where he's beat on the play. But oh, guess what? I have a four three forty speed. I can just catch up and knock the ball away. And if all of a sudden that changes to a four five forty, like that's a totally different player. Yeah, that's a totally yeah. totally different player. And now maybe that forces him to become a much better technician at the position. I loved. I think it was Ryan, Ryan Wood had an article. Uh, for Packers news on Eric Stokes. And Eric Stokes said he hated his tape from last year. And I love hearing that from Eric Stokes because his tape wasn't good last year, especially in the run game. He was not attacking his gaps, not with the intensity and vigor that you would expect from a Georgia Bulldog defensive back and what they demand out of their defensive backs. And sometimes players are immune to that. They don't hear it. They just think they're constantly good and they're not improving. So the fact that he was disappointed in himself for the tape that he put out there, that gives me a lot of hope that moving forward, he's going to really make a concerted effort to learn the more technical sides of the game. And listen, when you are a first round draft pick and you come in as a rookie and you have a pretty darn good rookie season. Now, I think everyone knew there was still a level that Eric could get to that he wasn't even close to in his rookie year. He had a pretty darn good rookie season for a rookie corner in the NFL that got pushed into a starting spot almost immediately and really held up all. It was basically corner one for a good chunk of that season. And all of a sudden, your first-round pick, you hold up your first year in the NFL. You got superpower four three forty speed. You're a former Georgia Bulldog. Guess what that made? You know, sometimes you're just like, ah, you know what? This thing's this whole thing's easy. Like I, the NFL is easy for me. Like I don't have to work that hard in the off season. And then before you know it, you get back to your second season and that can be pretty darn humbling very, very quickly. And it sounds like that's maybe what it was a little bit for stuff. And again, I love to hear that because not everyone feels that way. Everyone, a lot of times people make excuses or say it was somebody else's fault. He owned it. And I love seeing that. I'm, I'm very hopeful for him moving forward. And like you said, I hope he can come back clean from that injury because he's got a lot of talent. Yeah, I will say I, I've read a decent amount and I can't remember who wrote the article about it last season. So I apologize for whatever beat writer did this. But I do remember reading a lot about how this secondary kind of I mean, they didn't play well the first half of the season, just like point blank. Right. We all watch it. They were out of sync. They were not communicating properly. Like things were just like falling apart. And they kind of made a group chat of the secondary, like strictly for watching tape, talking post game, just like learning off the field together. And, you know, we've heard, I think, extensively about how much time Rasul Douglas spends, you know, watching film and things like that. And I just think all of that has probably rubbed off, especially on the younger players like Stokes. So maybe, like you said, Andy, you know, he's like, wow, I played great my, my rookie season. Like I got this thing in the bag, but you're in a room of guys who like 
really, really do like from start to finish everything you're supposed to do as a corner in Jair, in Rasul, especially when it comes to like the mental side of it. And so he, it seems like he's in a good influenced like room with that and like they'll help him bounce back. So um, I hope it stays that way this season, especially with some of like, like you said, the depth isn't really necessarily there and they're still kind of one injury away from potentially being, you know, putting Keyshawn Nixon out on the outside and like not knowing what happens. So, um, but I think they have like a really good mindset about it. No, I think so too. And I mean, I think, I don't know that Jerry Gray and Joe Barry were on the same page for a, you know, these like the changes were made and hopefully it's ultimately for the better. And that secondary is a much better 2013 than they had or 2023 than that at 2022. Yeah. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Um, really quick, I know we're running... Not not too long, but we always say we're going to keep these short, and then we don't. Um, I was just curious what some of the offensive line alignments were because I know like Sean Ryan took some snaps at center last week. Not sure if that was one of the the uh, sessions that was open to the media, but it's it's always surprising when guys are drafted to play a certain spot, and then you see them move move around quite a bit. And I always love that on the Packers roster on the website, the only person listed as just O line is Zach Tom, so you figure he can play just about anywhere. Yeah, it's, Zach uh, Tom at right tackle today. Yes, he yes. was. So uh, I think really the, the takeaways from today, um, well, obviously Bakhtiari and Jenkins were back, but Bakhtiari wasn't doing team stuff. Um, but with Bakhtiari not doing team stuff, they put Caleb Jones at left tackle with the ones. So that was an interesting thing where it seemed like they wanted to keep Zach and Yash on the right side. And it seems like that's going to be the battle for right tackle. So far, we have not seen Zach Tom at center. So for it's not to say that it can't happen. And we've, we have seen him a little bit at right guard, but it hasn't seemed like it's been a competition between John Running Jr. and Zach Tom so far. Right now, it seems like this is probably Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, JRJ, and then Zach Tom v. Yash Nyman at right tackle. Interesting that Caleb Jones gets those first left tackle snaps with uh, Bakhtiari being out. Um, so that, I think that was interesting. But other than that, you mentioned Sean Ryan last week getting some reps with the center uh, or at center. I think that's more of just like trying to you know get people learning different positions as a just-in-case sort of thing. I think ultimately they probably still see him mostly as a guard. Uh, but, yeah, those were probably the, the main takeaways so far. But uh, who knows what's going to happen. I think Zach could still move around a little bit. But so far it seems like it's going to be Yash versus Zach Tom at right tackle. Do you want to tease at all the article that, or not the article, the video that you had today about the David Bakhtiari uh, post June one uh, trade possibilities, or you know, yeah, just no, leave that for people to hop on Pack a Day? No, you can obviously you know listen to the full you know breakdown on, on Pack a Day, but uh, you know a couple things, right? So up until this point, there was really no opportunity to trade, you know, David, they could have probably before the restructure, but as soon as they restructured him, there was literally zero opportunity to do it up until June 1st. 
And while I don't expect this to happen, I don't think it's going to happen. I expect David to be a Packer throughout the season. If he did get traded this year, I think it's probably more towards the trade deadline. If the Packers are for some reason struggling and David's playing great and some team come, you know, comes calling in need of a left tackle, maybe Green Bay considers it at that point. The interesting, there's a couple interesting things here. A, by doing the restructure, they made his contract extremely valuable to other teams. He would only have basically a $2 million-ish cap hit for any team acquiring him this season. So for teams that maybe be you know, a little hesitant of being like, well, this guy's had some major knee injuries and things like that, he'd have a $2 million cap hit this year. And it's a $21 million cap hit next year for the team acquiring him. And next year's cap hit is completely non-guaranteed. So if he did suffer some sort of injury or if they didn't want to keep him next year, they would any team acquiring him would be able to release him and not have any money off the books. The only risk that you would have would be any compensation that you would give up to Green Bay in the trade. So that part of it makes it a little bit interesting. Obviously, you have the Aaron Rodgers-Bakhtiari connection. <laughs> You know, with, you know, the the Jets, you know, they've got Dwayne Brown at left tackle coming yeah. off the worst season of his career. He's overaged at this point. And the upgrade that you would have from Dwayne Brown to David Bakhtiari would be pretty massive. And the crazy thing is, is they can save almost $9 million by cutting Dwayne Brown. A lot of it would accelerate into next year's cap. So they would have some dead money uh, next year, but they would save almost $9 million. They would have $2 million by trading for David Bakhtiari, they would gain 7 million. Guess what? They got Quinn and Williams. They need to sign as well. And that they need some mm -hmm. additional money for. So like going from Dwayne Brown to David Bakhtiari and also saving money so that they can throw more at Quinn and Williams if need be. And, you know, making Aaron Rodgers happy by bringing his favorite person in the world, you know, I guess other than maybe Randall Cobb, who's also <laughs> on the team, you know, like, and, you know, regrouping that together you could see that happen. The other team that makes some real legitimate sense would be the Kansas city chiefs. They've got Donovan Smith who's been okay at best. And yes, Tampa won a super bowl with them there. Brady gets the ball out of his hands in what, you know, under one millisecond, you know, Patrick Mahomes isn't that same guy. And, you know, he uh, is going to, you know, uh, you, you know, use the, the, you know, five, six seconds at times to get rid of the ball. Do you want Donovan Smith protecting your franchise? You're the best player in the leagues blindside, or would you prefer David Bakhtiari out there? I don't think it happens. It's an interesting conversation. Um, if anything, I think it, there's a much better likelihood that it would happen in 2024, more in 2023. But if a team like the Jets or Kansas City came calling and offered something that maybe Green Bay couldn't refuse, knowing that the timeline, like it's almost weird right now seeing David Bakhtiari and Preston Smith out with this group of players because it's just young guy after young guy after new face after new face after like, like it's like everyone's been on the like team like three years or less. And then it's like, oh, yeah, there's David Bakhtiari. Oh yeah. There's Preston Smith. Those guys are over 30. That's weird. So like, you can almost like feel like the, like the disconnect in timelines with guys like Preston Smith mm -hmm. and David Bakhtiari out there. And if some team comes calling and says, Hey, you know, we'd like, we we're willing to give up a second round pick for, you know, David Bakhtiari to protect Patrick Mahomes' blindside this year, Aaron Rodgers blindside when those teams are all in, all in on this year. I, again, do I think it happens? No. Do I think green Bay would at least have to listen in that situation? I think they would. I think they should. Uh, that's all I'll say on it. Wow. Gotta go listen to that episode, huh? Yeah, 30 more minutes on that if you would like the the long and short of it, uh, mostly the long of it. Uh, over. Yeah. Thanks. I hate yeah. it, and I don't <laughs> want them to move him at all because I just think also protecting your young, potentially franchise QB is huge for this team. Um, and I think but that's I, okay. I, under, I understand the argument for sure. I, I totally get it. And if it happened, I probably would also understand. Um, it would just, it would just totally depend on the compensation. 
And I think that's where it probably becomes a non-starter, right? Because I, I think at the end of the day, Green Bay would need to be sort of blown away because I think there is a value in protecting Jordan Love's blind side in his first years of starting. Now, they may feel great about Zach Tom and Yash Nyman and feel like we have two starting caliber tackles. Most teams don't have that. So even without Bakhtiari, we still have two. Plus, we have Elton who can kick out and probably play left tackle as well. So we have three starting caliber tackles if we trade away David Bakhtiari. Other teams may, like don't have that, and Green Bay does. So – I think it would take a, an offer that Green Bay couldn't refuse because if, it, if some team comes offering like a six-round pick, day three pick, Green Bay's going to say, no, we're, we're good. We are totally, totally yeah. good. And there's not like some crazy, like, again, they would save like around $2 million in cap this year. So it's not like they're getting this windfall of cash because they're trading away David Bakhtiari this year. They don't have that either. Um, but, and then, then, then from the other side of things, if you're the Chiefs or the, the Jets or some other team, you might look at what they, like David Bakhtiari literally just woke up one week last year and couldn't play because his knee flared up a little bit. Like you don't know that you're going to get, you know, 17 weeks out of him this plus playoffs and beyond. So you're going to be very hesitant to throw a second, like a premium pick at green Bay because of some of the injuries. So matching those things up and trying to find a team that's willing to be aggressive enough and actually give up the compensation that green Bay would need in order to, you know, to actually consider it. And then, you know, having green Bay actually do it. It's just a really tough sell, but it is June 1st now, and it is now the time that if Green Bay did want to do it or some other team did want to be stupid and offer some crazy trade package, um, and not not saying stupid seriously, I'm saying <laughs> facetiously, but give some crazy deal, then this would be the time that they could finally do it. Interesting really, argument. I was going to say really interesting to, to see both sides of it. Any final thoughts from anyone before we wrap? I know there are still OTAs that will continue this week and kind of throughout the month of June, and then we'll have camp and a lot of exciting things to look forward to, but any? Yeah, Andy, I just want to know, like, you're kind of like overall now it's two weeks in, like, how are you feeling about what you've been seeing? I think it's everything that we have been expecting, meaning that this is a very young team. There is some very intriguing, talented players on this roster. And it's just going to be, there's going to be some, there's going to be some weird lows and there's going to be some some interceptions. There's going to be some drops. There's going to be some players running wrong routes. And especially right now during this phase of everything, right? But I think we're going to see that throughout the course of this year. We're going to see some of that stuff. We're also going to see Luke Musgrave running up the seam, running up what looks like a 4-3-40 at 6-6 and just, you know, running past people at tight end, which we haven't seen since Jermichael Finley. You know, we're going to see Jaden Reed juke some people out. We're going to see Christian Watson do a lot of the things that we saw from a season ago. We're going to get probably still some David Bakhtiaris and some Aaron Jones playing the hits and th some things that we feel very comfortable with. Jair Alexander shutting people down at corner. We're also going to see some, you know, young players along the defense that are probably going to make some rookie mistakes. I still think this run defense has a lot of work to do if they want to be better than they were giving up five yards per carry a season ago. So I think this is exactly through two weeks, what I would have expected from this team. Some things where you're like, okay, that's that's going to take some time and it's going to be a work in progress. And other things where you're like, man, but this is going to be very fun seeing some of these young players come along at the same time. So kind of exactly as expected so far. Which is good to hear because you don't want to hear that it's worse. And <laughs> <laughs> so we will take it. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Please, I'm sure everybody listening already follows you, but whatever you're working on, whatever you want to plug, any socials, please feel free to do so. 
Yeah, just follow everything, obviously, on Packaday Podcast, where you can find Maggie and Perry as well. You can follow at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. Uh, but no, appreciate you guys a ton. You guys are killing it. And uh, like I said, no no more long hiatuses between uh, appearances on the Packs What She Said show. Easy for me to say. <laughs> hey, everybody's having their slips today. Uh, mine probably the worst. But that is all the time that we have on today's show. You can find Perry on Twitter at Perry underscore Goldstein. You can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at PWSS Podcast. And if you are listening to this, please make sure that you check out at Tom Grassi Comedy on Twitter, Tom Grassi on YouTube. He is currently doing his 30 in 30 2023 U.S. Stadium Tour, where he is going to every NFL stadium to try to raise $100,000 for St. Jude. At the time of recording, I believe he's at around $44,000. So he's two days in, and he's almost halfway to his goal. There's a bunch of incentives, um, so you can follow along and see what he's doing. Contribute if you can. The goal, of course, is to hit that 100000 and then blow it out of the water and maybe raise a million, so Tom has to get a tattoo. But... Uh, make sure you check that out. And thank you, as always, for listening to the show. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.